0: What I want to talk about today is largely me. So I'm going to talk about me. You're going to get to know me a little bit more. But I'm going to talk about me and God together, which is a a pretty great journey, really. So uh, as was mentioned, I'm a worship leader here. So many of you have seen me up on stage singing before. So it's a little bit different to stand up here and speak to you. Um, Although lots of times I guess I speak... Um, in between songs and share my heart a little bit, but this is probably a little bit more raw. Um, I am mum to four kids. I only gave birth to three of them, but I do have four. Uh, And I am a health educator, which is why I stood up. I'm a teacher as well. I am sharing a message with you today entitled, The Problem with Authenticity. Oh, authenticity. Now, there is a big word, and not big because it's long, although it is, but big because it is replete with meaning. There's so much in it, and it's become part of buzz terminology uh, in the world. We talk about wanting to live our most authentic lives, or be our most authentic self, or we describe people as being really authentic, but what does that really mean when we're talking about authenticity? Well I think when it comes to the world's idea of authenticity, it probably has less to do with being genuine and being real, and more about being acceptable. We have these standards of acceptability in the world and um, I think they, they are dictated to us a lot through the media and in particular social media, which is why we have all these opportunities to like things because that's where we find out whether or not we're accepted. We post something and people will say, yay, that's great, and we go, mm, I'm accepted. And people will go, boo, and you go, mm. <laughs> not so accepted. And it's a really big issue for us as human beings, this need to be accepted by one another. But I don't think that that's really what authenticity is about. So I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey that I've been through around authenticity and how acceptance has really been a big part of that for me. Um, When we look at the dictionary definition of authenticity, it includes things such as to be of undisputed origin, I love that, to be of undisputed origin, and to bear a faithful resemblance, and we're going to come back to that as I keep talking, but uh, we'll we'll bear those things in mind. So a little bit of an introduction around me might help you understand why my journey has been the way it is, and and because we're talking about authenticity, I, I suppose I should be authentic. Get to uh, You get to see a little bit inside of who I am. So I'm going to let some walls down. Um, and uh, this morning, um, whilst I was spending time talking and listening to God, uh, I felt him really press on my heart that if we want authenticity, we need to be authentic. How... We don't always love that. We like other people to be authentic and we like them to be real and to share of themselves in a very whole way, but we don't like to do it much ourselves and oftentimes it's because of a background that's sort of woven this personality together. And there are a lot of things that actually stop us from being very real. So some of you already know some of my story. Um, I've actually shared my testimony up here on stage before. But for those of you that don't, um, I didn't start out with faith in anything. (laughs) Um, I grew up in an atheist family, so there was certainly no deity uh, in my world that I had a faith in or could have a faith in. I had parents who... Uh, divorced when I was quite young, and I watched them go through a series of marriages and more divorces. Uh, didn't have a lot of faith in marriage. Um, love for me was very much an earned thing. So, in my family, and particularly with my dad, there were a lot of hoops to jump through. It was all very much based on performance. You would feel loved and you would receive love if you performed in the right way. And then Uh, I had this fiercely independent mum uh, who had a bit of an I don't need anyone to help um, because asking for help means weakness, sort of a mantra in her life. And all of that translated over, I got the worst, the best of the worst. And what that did was mean that I became a very capable human being, a very independent, very capable human being, but I didn't have faith in very much, and certainly not myself. Uh, In fact, most of the time I probably thought that I was either uh, way too much or really not enough. It makes it hard to then share of yourself in a real, in a genuine way. Because when you're doubting yourself all the time, uh, you start to hide away the bits that you think are not really acceptable. And I guess as time went on, I felt like that there were more and more of those and not less and less. So uh, with not very much faith in myself and no faith in anything else really, uh, and this whole keeping everything at arm's length and not being very real, coming to Christ was a really big step (laughs) In fact, it was a huge leap to be able to trust in something I couldn't see. What's more, I had to trust in a God who claimed to be a father that loved me exactly as I am. No hoops, no performance, the real me, the yucky me, the messy me, the broken me. And that was really hard to get my head around because I wasn't used to that at all. As well as that, this God was actively pursuing a relationship with me. <laughs> what? To this day, I don't have a dad who actively pursues a relationship with me. So how was I going to come before a God who was doing these things that were so completely outside of my thought processes. I couldn't understand it, I couldn't grasp it, uh, none of it made any sense to me. As well as that, because I was desperate to be accepted by others, to feel loved, to feel validated, I then had to make a decision to follow after a very unpopular God to follow after Jesus, very unpopular name, and that meant that people weren't necessarily going to accept me. It was a big and hard call, and I'll cut the story short and and come to the chase. Obviously, I became a Christian. God bridged the gap through that loving acceptance of me, and he wore me down. He wore me down to the point where I thought, this could actually be real, this could be something. I could follow a God who loved me completely as I am, who would accept me for who I was, who actually didn't want me to put on any airs and graces. He just wanted me to come. So apart from that, I probably thought that if I if I became a Christian, then I would have to change completely. Everything would have to change. I'd have to stop doing this and stop doing this and stop doing this, because then I felt like I needed to earn the acceptance that God had already freely given me. Now, I know that seems silly, but we often get stuck in this thought process. I have to earn it. I know it's been freely given, but It's so big and so amazing and so powerful, how can I possibly accept it for free? It's a really hard thing to come at. And so what we do is we start to try and earn it. So when I first came to Christ, I was surrounded by a group of people who were very helpful. They told me exactly the way I needed to dress what I needed to say, how I needed to look to be acceptable. They gave me special lenses that I could look at the Bible through that turned all of the grey areas black and or white. Perfect. Exactly what I needed, a plan. I had a plan and I could go with that plan and then I could be acceptable to the people around me and to God. I'd forgotten that God had already accepted me. But people are really a different thing, aren't they? People are really hard because if they don't accept me, then what's the alternative? Well, it took me a while to work it out because I actually got pretty good at uh, the the whole juggling thing. I actually was, uh, was quite good at it. I managed to even keep my children quiet in church. Kept my house very clean, cooked everything from scratch, read my Bible and tithed and served, tick, 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 ticked all those boxes, did all the stuff, not realising that by doing that, I had picked up some masks along the way. (laughs) I was kind of just covering up who I really was, not really sharing the heart of what was going on. Because I'd been told that if I did this, this, and this, I'd be accepted. And that was the right thing to do. That's what makes us good Christians. Doing all the things. Ticking all the boxes. Making everybody happy around us. But what that often makes us is people living an inauthentic life. People come up to us and say, how are you? And we say, good, great, fine, nice. Everything seems very lovely, but everything's very superficial, isn't it? We find it hard to dig down to any real depth because we don't want people to see that we might be struggling. Heaven forbid that we might have problems in our life. Now, I learnt this the hard way by actually realising that I had some struggles. So 2006 uh, was a a bit of a hard year for us. Um, We lost Glenn's youngest brother to a four-year battle with cancer. And uh, we also had some pretty prominent people in our church uh, say and do some things that we were really less than impressed with. Um, and hurt some people that we love dearly. And on top of that, I had a feeling that maybe, definitely, I had postnatal depression. How do you share that with somebody? Well, I chose somebody who was well-respected within the church, another woman. And so I started to offload these things and got this look of horror. How could you... How could you be depressed? You're a Christian. You've got the joy of the Lord. So what did that tell me? That told me that either, A, I wasn't a Christian, or at best, a really bad one, Um, that perhaps what I needed was joy to replace the depression, so I better find that quick smart. Or that perhaps the best thing and the saddest thing, don't tell people your weaknesses. Don't share your problems. Because people are going to think less of you and they're going to judge you. And that judgment hurt me really deeply. And I felt really let down. And I think what it really did at that point was make me look for something more. Now, internally, I started that search. But... Externally, I clammed up and I thought, I'm going to have to just find some more masks and have a few different lives going on. And I can be real with people that I feel comfortable with. Most of those were not believers or people from other churches, so that I didn't have to fear that they were going to judge me every time I walked into church. Oh, that's her. You know, she's got problems she's got depression, bad Christian. So all of this led me to a situation where I was actually out of control. I got to where I was uh, working three jobs, training twice a day at the gym six days a week. Um, I was saying yes to everything. Anybody been in that situation? Oh, do you think you can serve at church? Yes. Do you think that you could be on this team? Sure. Could you start a committee? Yep, not a problem. Then you go home and have this private meltdown because you know you can't possibly spread yourself that thin and then you beat yourself up for being a bad Christian. Bad Christian. Why would you even doubt that? Surely you can do everything. No. I'm here to tell you you can't and that's authentic. You can't. I couldn't. You can't but we want everybody to think that we can because we want to be accepted. We want people to think the best of us. The problem with this is that what we're doing is applying our own solution to the problem, aren't we? If I just work at it a bit harder, pull up those bootstraps, then everything will be fine, excuse me. It's not. It's not fine because we're now doing everything in our own strength and we're living these weird lives where we turn up to church and we go, hey, everybody, everything's great. And then you take the mask off and then you go home and you're yelling at your kids or you're horrible to your husband. And then you go to work and then you're trying to be good there and work to the best of your ability. And you don't have this one life. You have these multiple lives because we're busy trying to be the best, most authentic version of ourselves, and we're not. We miss it. We miss the boat completely. So I got to the point where I wasn't okay, and I knew I wasn't okay. But who could I tell? There weren't many people around me that I trusted to tell this information to, because I'd been judged before. So my husband knew, my very best friend in the whole wide world, And he could see that things were not great and he could see the struggle I'd had over the years, being a people pleaser, trying to keep all the plates spinning and that it wasn't working. So I actually went and got some professional help because by this stage I was not only depressed but I was also highly anxious and not functioning terribly well. and was also feeling that God was really distant and it wasn't him that was distant, it was me. Because I was doing everything on my own. Okay, I've got this. I'm at the wheel here. I'm driving. And so, what does God do? Because when you don't go to God for help, can God still help you? Well, He can. And He helps us in the strangest possible ways sometimes. So, how did God step in? Well, He held my hand as I watched my mum die from cancer. He also held my hand as I made decisions that ended relationships in my family, with my dad, with a brother, with a sister. He walked with me as I went through pain. I blew a disc and was out of action for weeks and couldn't do all that crazy training anymore. And I got professional help. Somebody gave me some tools to help me, to help me to deal with my mental health stuff but also to help me find my way back to God and I realized that he was never far away from me and I started to experience God in a way I hadn't before Jeremiah 29:13 tells us you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart And these words lifted off the page as Glenn and I started to do exactly that. We started to seek God. As I looked, I found God more and more in his word, showing me who he is, who I am, who we are, and what he wants us to do in this life. I stopped reading to tick a box to be able to quote a verse so that I seemed like a good Christian, I started reading so that I could find God because I needed God. And oftentimes what God does is say, I'm going to allow you to go into a really hard stage right now so that you can't lean on all of the things you've been leaning on, so that you can't take control anymore, and so that you'll seek me. And I did. Boy, this is where the rubber met the road for me. Stuff really started to happen. God helped me to start removing those masks, which is pretty important, and live one homogenous existence. It's so scary to go, I'm not going to pretend to be someone different in different scenarios. I'm actually just going to be me. Just me. This person. Like it or lump it. The thing is that I felt God challenged me and I was now listening Because I knew that by doing the same things I'd done before, I was not going to get a different result. And so I needed to do things His way. And I was so compelled by His Word. And I was so drawn by His Holy Spirit that I couldn't help but be altered. And the lessons came like waves from the ocean. Sets and sets of them. It was never just one lesson. Here, have a little lesson. I'll give you some years to just chew over that. It never happens like that. Certainly with me, I feel like it just, bam, 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 all these lessons at once. But I was actually really excited about it. And I still am. And I don't always get it right. And I don't always listen straight away. And sometimes God has to take me through hard times again. So the latest challenge of authenticity is for me to think about that whole being of undisputed origin and to bear a faithful resemblance to Christ. Not to what the world tells us is the standard that we need to live up to, but we need to be image bearers of our Lord. And That's a big ask. That can be scary. The thought of being a faithful representation of what God looks like seems like a weight so heavy that it would stop us in our tracks and freeze us where we are. I can't move. It's too big. And yet... God holds our hand and says, I want your honesty more than anything else. I want you to honestly represent what you know of me. I want you to love me and I want you to love others. And that is at the most basic level. Now, the reason I've called this message the problem with authenticity is the problem is we want it... But we don't want to be it, because we're scared. We're scared of being hurt. We're scared that people are going to take our personal information and tear us to shreds with it, that they're going to judge us or reject us, that we're going to feel less because we've shared something really intimate. But I think that the fears that we have are things that we need. I think we we try and run away from fear, and God's really been pressing on my heart that I don't want you to run away from the fear. I want you to work with me in spite of that fear. Don't let it stop you. It's going to be there. We're going to have fears and anxieties. It's who we are as humans. Every wonderful person we've ever read about in the Bible has been fearful of something has been scared of what other people would think of them. But it wasn't the thing that held them in their place because God was bigger. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4:18 that perfect love casts out fear and that verse in and of itself is not going to fix anything until we understand it. So as I started to seek out God more and more, he told me that when we're able to truly grasp his perfect love for us by truly seeking him, like really seeking him, I want to know God, I really, I want to know. I don't care how hard this is, I want to know God. Then our fear does diminish because we understand him more and we can trust him. It doesn't matter. We need to be prepared to lay ourselves bare and be truly humbled. For the benefit of others. This is hard. 1 Peter 5, 5-8 to eight says, likewise you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, not just some, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties fears on him because he cares for you and he cares about the authenticity of our relationships with one another I think sometimes we do each other a real disservice by not being real and honest with one another if I don't share my stuff with you you're never going to feel like you can share your stuff with me and so we all walk around wearing the masks don't we So let me share something with you. Uh, I like to be able to do everything myself and muscle through stuff. But at the end of last year, I was told I had a malignant early cancer growth in my breast. I didn't want to share that with anyone because I thought, I'll just press through this on my own. But God had a different plan. And... What God said was, I don't want you to wear any masks in this situation. I want you to press into your community, accept help, be authentic. This is not about you. And as hard as it was, I obeyed and I learned. I want everyone to know I'm actually fine. I've had surgery. It was great. I've had radiation. I'm out the other side of it. God is amazing. The most amazing thing that I learned about all of this was that I had to let my guard down and let people into my world. That it's a two-way thing. I'm the first person to put my hand up when somebody says, oh, somebody's sick or somebody needs a meal, I'm like, I'm on it, I'm there, I can do that, I can serve. It's easier to serve than to receive it. It takes a whole heap of humility to be able to let somebody into your hard space into your painful space, into your weak space, your messy space. Let somebody in and see you, the authentic you. But you know what it does? It gives them the blessing of being able to serve you and see that you're not the masks, that you're more than that. And they go, oh, you're a real person, thank God. How many times have we thought that? about other people. Oh, I thought you had it all together. And all of a sudden, I realised that you're the same as me. So why do we do it? We have perfunctory conversations with one another over a coffee. Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about the football. How about let's talk about what's really going on in our lives. How about we cut this disease that has pervaded our church off and stop it? Stop pretending to be something we're not, something we think other people want us to be. It's not real. But Satan would have us live like that every day. And God calls us into something deeper relationships, real relationships with one another. How else do we work as a community? But to say, you know what? I need help. And I want to take this opportunity to thank all of those people who helped me during that time. For the four weeks after I had surgery, I wasn't allowed to do any housework, which nearly killed me. And I had a beautiful young woman from this church come in and clean my house every single week. And I let her into my mess and she cleaned my toilets. And that was a humbling experience. And beautiful people in this church served me by cooking me meals, by praying for me by sending me messages or cards or flowers, telling me how much God loved me and how much they loved me. And I never felt so connected to a group of people. For years, I thought I was connected, but only on my terms, because I had all my walls up and I had my masks on. I want to encourage you today. Let's get rid of the masks. Let's stop being who we think we're meant to be. And let's start being who God wants us to be, the real, the authentic, the true version of ourselves in our weakness, in our hard spots, sharing lives with one another. Thanks for going along on this little strange journey with me this morning, it's no easy thing to stand up in front of a group of people that you really love and respect and saying, gee, life's hard, but you know what, it's okay. And I want you to be okay. And if you're not okay, I want you to know that that's okay as well. I'm gonna ask the team to come up and we're gonna sing this last song Is called Make Room. And I want us to let the words really distill into our hearts. Whilst we're doing everything on our own strength, we don't leave a lot of room for God in that, for Him to work in us. We've got to make that room, make that room for God's Spirit to come in and speak to us and say, let it all go, be vulnerable. This is what God wants. Let's go out and have cuppers together and be real. Let's not pretend anymore. Let's get rid of the traditions and the religion and the things that we think everybody wants to see. Because not only does it open up relationships with each other, it opens up relationships with God. And it makes people who don't know God, want to know God because they see a place for themselves here. Let's pray. Father God, you are amazing and you are always authentic with us. You've told us that you accept us as we are. Help us to let go of all the things that hold us back from that authentic life. And help us to help others to do that as well by being real. Lord, we just commit ourselves to you today. Have your way in our hearts. Lord, we want to make room for you in our lives every day and for each other as well. We commit ourselves to you this day. In Jesus' name.